Good evening and welcome to Relationship Game Changers, The Call. My name is Kim Moore and I want to welcome you on top of Amy's welcome. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Here on Relationship Game Changers, we're about becoming kingdom-minded through and through to becoming true to the Word of God. We seek the truth that transcends race, gender, husbands and wives, male, female, sexuality, culture, denominations, political affiliations, education, money, no money. We seek the truth that is applicable to all and in all. And so we bless you in the name of Jesus, and we appreciate you. We appreciate you so, so very much. On this line, we endeavor to teach and pray truth. And I will tell you, when it is my opinion and I can't necessarily bear it out with Scripture, I will openly tell you, not God, but I. And I will make that distinguishing. And also, I'm not only teaching, but I'm also a student. And so uh, open to grow and to learn and to be perfected in the word and the things of God. Well, again, I add my welcome to Amy. She does such an amazing job in making you guys feel welcome and just receive you. And I appreciate her so much for all she does. Um, It's just amazing. Um, We love you and appreciate you for sharing your time with us. We're grateful, grateful to God for prompting you to call in, whether out of faithfulness or whether this is your first time and you just kind of want to see what we're up to. You just kind of want to check check the voice out and see whether you hear God in it. We welcome you. We appreciate you. And if there's anything we can do to make your experience better here, then please don't hesitate to let Amy know at 678-754-0867. Well, I also want to give a shout out to Lanita. She's in Honolulu, Hawaii. And I tell you, just a couple of weeks ago, she has taken over managing the Relationship Game Changers public uh, general Facebook page. And I'm telling you, since she has, we've reached 1,000 likes. People are beginning to engage the page uh, regularly. And today she started a contest. She actually texted me and said, what do you think about this? I was like, you know, go for it. Go for it. Why? Because when God has uh, given you uh, people to aid with what he's given you to do, they need the freedom to operate in the area that they're passionate, in the area that they have gifts. And so I had been watching Lanita's post on her own page, and I'm like, God, we need some of that on this page here. And uh, when I reached out to her, she just took up the mantle and just ran with it. And um, the the stats are up, um, and now we're working on more engagement with the people. And so one of the things she put out today, and she she asked me, she said, hey, what about this? And I said, go for it. And she put out on the page, you know, to drop your funniest emojo, emoji, not political, and tomorrow at noon, uh, she says Amy and I, but really you guys know it's going to be Amy, right? <laughs> Amy will pick the winner who will receive $25 cash or a gift card 
of your choice. So I want to tell you, if you haven't already, if you are on Facebook, I know several different ones are making changes. I want to tell you we will be here for right now. This is a non uh, – we're not endeavoring to be a political page with Relationship Game Changers or the Relationship Game Changers group. I reserve my political comments and commentary for my personal page, and we encourage all that take part in relationship game changers to do the same because we want to be a place where people can grow and change. And and so we want to make it available to all, whether they agree with us or whether they don't agree with us. You know, we learn sometimes through the disagreement of others. When others call us to stop, pause, and think about what we've said or confronted something we think or we believe, we get two options. One, we get to clarify what we think or believe, or we get to consider another opinion. And I think there's far too little of that in the church and in the world today. So we want to be a place, uh, obviously, where people feel welcomed and yet espouse our political views on our personal pages. But I want to encourage you, help me support Lanita and go out there, like the page, drop an emoji, your funniest emoji. And tomorrow uh, noon, Amy will pick the emoji that she likes best, and that person will receive $25 cash or a gift card of their choice. Why are we doing this? because we want to extend our reach. We want to reach more people with the message that God has given us. And so whatever we need to do within the law and with, in our ability to influence without manipulation, because there's a difference between influence and manipulation. Influence is you put things out there, but you allow people to decide for themselves. Manipulation is you put things out there but you have an end in mind that you want people to choose and you everything that you say and do is directed to getting that outcome. Well, we're not trying to control the outcomes here. We're just trying to control and be the best influencers that we can being led by the Spirit of God. Well, tonight I want to share with you three things God is doing concurrently. Concurrently, meaning that all three things are happening at the same time and all the time for this period of time. That's a mouthful. Concurrent, meaning that all things are happening, these three things are happening at the same time, all the time, for the duration of time that God will allow. So let's just pray and get into what we're going to talk about and pray about tonight. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for your mercy and kindness that draws us to repentance. We appreciate, Father God, that even in our faithful, faith, faithlessness, you have been faithful to us. We thank you, Father God, that the love of God, the kindness of God draws us to looking at things the way you look at them and changing our mind that we might align with you. We thank you, Father God, and we hear you when you say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for us. So, Father God, we desire tonight to be perfectly aligned with your word, to be true to the truth that we speak with our mouths, that, Father God, we identify in the likeness of men and women 
And we have become, Lord, man and woman. We've become, Lord, we've identified in the likeness of humanity. And we, be, we are becoming men and women after your glory, God, after your pleasure, God. And, Lord, we desire that in our humanity, in our maleness and femaleness, we submit our vulnerability, our humility, our, our just, we just surrender who we are and who we're not to you, God. We thank you and we praise you that even our goodness is as filthy rags to you. So we have no claim to fame on our own. And any crown that we have received, God, we lay it at your feet. For surely you are worthy. You are worthy, God. You are worthy, God. You are worthy tonight. You are worthy, God. You're worthy of our heart. You're worthy of our souls. You're worthy of our body. Now, Father, make plain your word tonight and cause your sheep to hear your voice that we too might be lions that roar with your word, roar with our lives so that others might come into relationship with you. We bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, before I tell you what these three things are, we need to understand first and foremost what is God's priority? What is his focus? What is his intention in the earth today? Because if we don't understand what his focus, what his priority, and what his intention is, we are likely to misunderstand what he's doing. And, you know, I liken it all the time to if you've ever moved into a new house or a new apartment or a new place, you know, and you, you, all of us, I don't know about you, but when I've moved into a new house, a new place, my first thought is new furniture, <laughs> new pictures, new, new everything, right? But we go into the house and we look at the architecture of the room. We look at the dimensions of the room. We look at the windows in the room. We look at the layout, the space that we're going to be fitting furniture into. And the same is true here. If we don't understand God's priority, his focus and intention, we are likely to bring furniture, or in our case, thoughts and ideas that don't fit, that don't match the priority, that don't agree with the focus, and are out of sync with his intention. So it's very important to understand the mind of God, to understand the priority of God, to understand the focus and intention of God. So let me give you a few things about his focus, his priority, his focus and attention. And you can find and research all of these things in the scripture. This is not my opinion. So the first thing, think about this. God was, is, and will always be about his kingdom. Let's just settle that. God is about his kingdom, and his, his kingdom has a king who is Jesus Christ. And the Bible says there's only one mediator between man and God. There's only one mediator between the king and the kingdom, and that is Jesus Christ, that no other name under heaven have men been given to be saved or to enter into this kingdom. So God's kingdom and his king is above everything seen and unseen. This is God's priority. This is his focus, and this is his intention. 
and it is above whether we are Republican, Democrat, it's above our religious affiliation, our denominational denomination, it's above our race, our gender, or any other adjective or noun with which we ascribe to ourselves or others or which we identify with. It is above all of those things. God is about his kingdom, and to think otherwise leads to adultery. When we think that God is about something other than his kingdom and his king, we are headstrong and leading into idolatry. And that's what we see in this nation and in many of our lives today is idolatry. We are worshiping what God has condemned. And so uh, and when I say condemned, we are, we are beyond the scope of relating to that thing we have ventured into worshiping that thing. That means that thing has become our waking thought, our, our ending thought. It, it becomes the filter through which we evaluate what's happening in the world, what's happening in our nation, and what's happening in our lives. It's called idolatry. In fact, the Bible says adultery. You know, we confine it to sexual sin. But in James, James speaks of adultery as any friendship with the world that exalts itself above God. Number two, God's kingdom is a government it's a government. Kingdoms are government. Nations are government. You cannot show me a nation that is not also a government, not also a philosophy. There's not also a system of laws and rules that oversees the affairs and conduct of its citizens. God's kingdom is a government. That means he has a system of laws and rules that oversee the affairs and conduct of mankind that is unique to his kingdom or that is unique to his government. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Number three, God created mankind to set up his government on earth to reflect heaven. God reigns in the invisible realm, and he intends for us to reign on earth. We failed. Get that in your mind. We failed. We failed. The church failed since the days of Adam and Eve, and this day in time, the church has failed. Why? Because we have failed to introduce, stand, and live the government of God in our personal lives. That is, we have failed to bring the reign of Jesus Christ to our own lives and in doing so successfully influence the reign of God's kingdom in our affairs, whether our marriages, whether our families, whether our communities, whether even our churches, whether our city, states, even this nation we have failed to influence this nation in such a way that God has been glorified. And yet Jesus came over 2,000 years ago to restore the kingdom and government of God to mankind. And that's real important, guys, that we grasp, because if we just think this is about salvation and spending eternal life with Christ and God, 
No, God came, Jesus came to restore the kingdom to us. He didn't, he, he came to restore the government of God to us. Meaning, when we receive Christ, God expects us to receive his government in our personal lives. The Bible says that he has set us free for freedom's sake. Why do we need to be set free? Because we were under an ungodly government that sought to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly by receiving the kingdom and government of God. The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Jesus also said that the kingdom, the government of God, is inside of us. And he says, receive the kingdom, receive the government. Well, we have failed in receiving the government of God in our own lives such that is his government, his way of thinking, his mindset is not evident in many of our relationships. It's just not evident. So it doesn't matter what we say out of our mouth. The government of God is not governing the conduct of his people. It's called hypocrisy. Isaiah 9, 6 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be provided for you. Wow, if we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will be provided for us. And before that, he talks about food, clothing, and all those things. And so what he's saying here is that if you seek first the kingdom and, and being rightly aligned with him, then your food, your clothing, and all that pertains to life and godliness will be provided for you. It will be provided. Why? Because the king's responsibility is to provide for its citizens. Who's providing for you? Who's providing for me, for whoever the king is in your life? Whoever that God is, big G or little g in your life, is responsible for providing for you and me. Number four, God determined. And I'm going to talk about the three things God is doing concurrently, but you need to understand the context in which he is operating from so that when we put the furniture in the room, when we measure the thoughts we're putting in the room, they will be consistent and rightly aligned with the kingdom and the king's mindset. So number four, God determined that the smallest unity of individual units, that is whole, complete, in themselves units, the smallest unity of units of his government would be the family. Let me say that again. Male and female, husband and wife specifically, are whole and complete units in and of themselves. Each one's body is self-sufficient. 
It does not require the other to operate according to divine design. They are individual units. That's why John says in 10, 17, and 18, nobody takes my life. I lay it down only to take it up again. This commandment I receive from the Father. And go back before it says, this is why the Father has intense love for me, because I recognize that I am a whole, complete, individual unit capable of coming into unity with another whole individual complete unit. So God determined that the smallest unity of units in his government would be the family, husband and wife, and then their children. The reason the reason why God felt that this was so good, again, these are not my opinions. The reason why God felt this was so good is because in male, and, and this is a whole nother teaching and picture that I won't, that I, I'm going to exercise self-control and not divert from what I'm trying to share with you right now, but it is tempting. The reason why this was pronounced as good or it is good is because men, male, in maleness, God placed the seed of natural life. He placed the seed of life. And in women, God placed a womb capable of developing the seed through which, he, through which God intended to deliver the seed. So man had the seed within himself. This is all in Genesis 1, guys. Man had the seed in himself. Male had the seed within himself. Woman had the womb that was capable of developing the seed. And then God completed the cycle by delivering the seed. This unity of units had the ability to reproduce on its own with the blessing of God. So I want to tell you tonight, God has not forsaken marriage or family. They are of the utmost priority. And while man has been dismissive, and even in the church, we don't hear much about marriage and family, that will change. Why? Because marriage is central to populating and perpetuating his kingdom. Here's a side note for you. Again, we're going to talk about the three things God is doing concurrently within this context. Side note. Jesus is going to return for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And together, he and his bride will rule a new heaven and a new earth, or a new heaven and a new earth. 2 Peter 3.13 and Revelations 21 and 1 both say that there will be a new heaven and earth. And God the Father, let me clarify, God the Father will rule the heavens. Jesus and his bride will rule the earth. Isn't it interesting that, that in, uh, in this new heaven and earth, that, that, that in, even in heaven, there will be none given to marriage? Why? Because the only marriage that will matter will be us, each one of us, to the Lamb of God, who is Jesus Christ. Revelation 19.6-8 tells us that the bride is in training right now. She's preparing herself for Christ to whom she is engaged. Oh, my gosh. That's what the bride is doing. She's comparing herself. So essential to the spiritual kingdom 
of God are people yielding his seed, which is his word. The seed, the word of God is seed. So essential to the kingdom of God are people yielding his seed, yielding his word, his word being in them, and they produce from what is in them, and what they produce also has seed in it. Oh, my gosh. And God called that good. Go back to Genesis 1, 11, and 12, and you'll see that picturally as God talks about the herbs and the seeds in the earth. It is a picture. It is an analogy of what God intended to do with man. Everything God wanted to do with us people, he showed it to us first. Why? Because while faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, I share with you last week that Job had always heard about God, but when his eyes saw what he was doing, he rejected his own opinion and humbled himself and to the dust to the dust of the ground, which means that after Job had been hearing God, he saw God, and when he saw what God was saying, he didn't require anybody to tell him to humble himself. It produced a humility that only seeing God produces. Just go back and read the accounts of men and women who had an encounter with God and what the posture of them became in response to having seen God. Look at Peter's response after having seen God. So God must have people that have his word in them, are producing fruit according to this word in assignment that God has given him or her, and we all have different assignments. And so we have to be careful about not judging someone else's assignment, or when God is emphasizing someone else's assignment, it doesn't mean that our assignment is irrelevant. It just means this is what God is emphasizing at this point in time. And so we need to be own what God is giving us to do. So these people, God must have people who have the word in them, who are producing fruit according to this word in the field of their assignment, in the relationships God has called them to influence. And number three, what they produce must also have a seed in itself and now capable of repeating or pre-producing what happened to them. Oh, my gosh. That's what God calls good in Genesis 1.12. That's what God calls good in Genesis 1.12. This is what 2 Peter 1.5 says, that we are to add to our faith goodness. This is the goodness that God is calling for, that we have the word in us, we become the word, that we're producing fruit according to the word in the field of our assignment and that what we produce also is capable of reproducing. And Peter says that if we don't have this goodness, which comes from the word good, if we don't add this goodness along with six other things in ever-increasing measure, put your seatbelt on, Peter said, 
we are blind, short-sighted, and forget that we've been cleansed. Oh, my God. So it's not simply enough to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We have a kingdom responsibility to reproduce the kingdom. The Bible calls us God's planting in the earth. That means we have been planted, impregnated with the seed of God, and he expects the womb of our relationships that he's given us to influence to produce, and what is produced to have seed within itself. You guys need to go back and listen to that. We are God's planting in the earth. He has impregnated us with his seed, and he expects that seed that is in us to produce, and what is produced to have seed in itself, so it also may reproduce. So now that we know what God's priority is, establishing his kingdom and government on earth as it is in heaven, and that the instruments that he is using and has chosen to do this are men and women and families. Now we can appreciate the three things I believe God is doing concurrently. And I pray that whatever resonates with you, you would embrace and go reach and research in the scripture for yourself so that you know, that you know that you know that you have heard from the Spirit of the Lord. So what three things is God doing right now? He's saving, separating, and sanctifying men and women to become full citizens in the kingdom with all of the rights, responsibilities, and privileges of kingdom citizens. God is saving, separating, and sanctifying men, women, and children to become full kingdom citizens, exercising all of the responsibilities, rights that he has intended to populate the earth with his kingdom. So with all that's going on in our nation and in spite of all that is going on, God continues the work that he began, which is to establish his kingdom in the hearts and souls of men and women. Our nation will undoubtedly benefit by these people, these men and women, as they should be. But we also know that nation has suffered because while we have many that profess Christ and are affiliated with religious uh, entities and denominations, there are far fewer that are operating in the responsibilities, rights, and privileges of kingdom citizens. Listen, Jesus prays in 17, uh, John 17, 9, uh, 9 and 10. He says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All that are mine are yours, and all that are yours are mine. I am glorified in them. What is he saying? I'm not praying for the world, but those whom you've given me for my kingdom, for they are yours, and all that are mine are yours, and all that are yours are mine. I am glorified in these 
kingdom citizens. So God is saving people. These things are happening concurrently at the same time, all the time, at the same time, for whatever period God desires. The first thing, and they're not in any particular order because they're happening all the time. They're just in order because that's the way my mind thinks. But they're happening all the time. God is not linear like we are. He created time for us that we can be sequential. But God is above time, and he sees all things at the same time. If a a better uh, shape, if there is a shape that we might liken God to, which he created shapes, but if there is a shape, I would say it's more circular than it is linear. So he is seeing all things at all times. As a matter of fact, what we are seeing today has already happened. That's why it's so significant that we declare the word of God. We're not declaring the word of God. We're not declaring the word of God tomorrow for tomorrow. We're declaring it for now. We're declaring it for now. It's happening now so that tomorrow we'll see it. But by the time we see it, it will have already passed. Some of you guys are going to have to think about that. I'm not going to camp there right now. But I'm, I'm learning, and, and it's just a whole different way of thinking. Suffice it to say that God can do more than one thing at the same time. We have trouble doing that. But God can do many things at one time. And so three of those things are that, one, he is saving people. John 17, 2 and 3 says, as you have given him authority over all flesh, he will give eternal life to all you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Well, how? How are they going to know? How are the people that God has marked for salvation going to know? Well, Jesus said he revealed his Father to them. And as Jesus was in the earth, so are we. So as we reveal the Father to men and women whom God has given us to influence, God's agenda continues. His kingdom moves forward. How do we reveal God? Typically, we want to speak a word. Typically, we want to give a track. Typically, we want to say something and have everybody fall out and, and, and just, oh, what must I do to be saved? And I believe perhaps those times are coming again. But I will say today one of the biggest weapons that I believe that God is using in the earth today is humanity, men who have become men and women who are becoming women who are fully submitting their vulnerability to God, and God is pleased to glorify and manifest himself through them. So as we become true to the word of God, as we become a people of integrity, then God is revealing his name because we're not simply declaring the word, we are in fact the word. Oh my God. It's so much more powerful, guys, than just declaring the word and actually becoming the word. I remember a friend of mine, Linda Vegas, said to, said, she said, if you will frame it with your words, God will fill it. So as we decree, as we declare who we are, it's the substance that we're after. 
the substance of God, the mind of God. And as we become the word of God, we are the influence that God will use to turn the hearts of men to himself. God desires that no, no human being be apart from him in eternity. He didn't create hell for people. He created hell for Satan and those who refuse to let go of Satan. You recall Achan. God doesn't desire to destroy humanity. He created humanity. He came to redeem humanity. He didn't come to destroy us, but he came to save us. But when we insist on hanging on to the devil, to the God of this world, God, we are condemned, not because God is condemning us, but because he condemned evil, and we have refused to let go of it, which was Achan's case. I wonder what would have happened if Achan would have repented, but he didn't. And so the earth swallowed him up. Did God desire to destroy Achan? No. God doesn't even take delight in the death of the wicked, but Achan refused. To repent. So God is saving people today, and he's doing it through our humanity. The Bible says we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, in our humanity, so that together the excellency of the power of God can be shown to be of God and not ourselves. That was Jesus' glory. God was Jesus' glory. Oh, my gosh. Amassing crowds was not Jesus' glory. Doing miracles was not Jesus' glory. Healing was not Jesus' glory. Prosperity was not Jesus' glory. The Father was Jesus' glory. Go back and read in John 17. The glory that you gave me. Oh, my gosh. Romans talks about how we, humanity, have traded the glory of God for evil. Our glory is God manifesting himself in us as we become true to the word of our mouth, the words that he's written in his Bible, that we come, become true and true people with integrity. Second thing God is doing concurrently is he is separating his people by virtue of his choices. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18 says, do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. Doesn't mean that we can't be in their presence. Doesn't mean that we can't um, uh, be hospitable. It doesn't mean that we can't be around them. It says don't be yoked. There's a difference between being in someone's presence and being yoked with such a person. And listen, goes on to say, for what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness. Oh, my gosh, what are we contending for in this nation today? It's a choice between righteousness and lawlessness. It's not a choice between political parties. It's not a choice between men and women. That's not our fight. That's not what God is asking us to separate from. He's asking us to separate from unrighteousness, he's asking that the righteous and the lawless lawless, declare whom they are partnering with. 
And that's the question before Christians today. Everyone that professes the name of Jesus Christ, Paul wrote this to the Corinthian church. These were believers. This is the question before believers today. Will you partner with righteousness or lawlessness? Now you can, the, the faces are in, you know, they're, they're, there's corruption everywhere. But God is saying in the midst of the corruption, will you partner with righteousness or lawlessness? He says, or what fellowship, and fellowship is an intimate term, does light have with darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Belial or the devil? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, and God has said, I will dwell and walk among them. So he's going to live in us and walk with us and be our God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to, to me, says the Lord Almighty. Now, when he uses the word sons and daughters, he's referring to the sons and daughters of men. We are collectively the sons of God, speaking of our spiritual condition. But when the word uses sons and daughters, he's speaking of our earthly condition. So as earth beings, as humanity, humanity is male and female. Humanity is son, are sons and daughters of men. So God is saying, and I will be a father to you, the sons and daughters of men, and you will be sons and daughters to me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Psalm 50 and 5 says that God is gathering faithful ones to me, those who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Guys, this thing's going to cost you. This thing's going to cost you. I'm telling you, it's going to cost you. Romans 12, 1 and 2, let us know that there is a cost. There is a sacrifice involved. And it's not that we are going to give up the same things or let go of the same things, but the sacrifice, the feeling, the cost, the pain of it will be equal. So even though our sacrifices may be different, the pain we experience from them, because a sacrifice is the withdrawing of life, it is the destroying of life. Remember the sacrifice of Cain and Abel. Cain, uh, Cain produced the best fruit of the land. It was pristine. It was spectacular. There was no sacrifice. He produced the best of himself and offered it to God as if that were acceptable when God said, all of your goodness is filthy rags to me, and Abel took the best that he had and destroyed it and laid it on the altar of God. And the Bible received Abel's sacrifice. It's not equal gifts. It's not equal lives. It is equal sacrifice. David said, I will not give you what has not cost me something. Separation costs. Separation will cost you family. It will cost you friends. And in this environment that we're experiencing in the nation, when you take a stand for the righteousness of God, Please understand, you have set yourself 
against evil, no matter whose body it infiltrates or uses, family, friend, or foe. Ask me how I know. At the same time God is saving, separating, he's also sanctifying. He's saving some, separating others, and he's sanctifying still others. The Hebrew word sanctify means to consecrate, set apart, be holy. Leviticus 11:44 through 45 says, For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves. So in conjunction with this, what accompanies this is not defiling yourselves with any manner of crawling thing that moves in the ground. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Therefore you shall be holy, for I am holy. Ephesians 1.4 says, For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless in love before him. Jesus on one account said, The devil had nothing in him. There was nothing in him that the devil could latch on to. And this process, this journey of Christianity is about allowing God to remove anything in us that might serve as a hook for Satan to steal, kill, and destroy our relationship with God. 1 Peter 1, 14-16 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. So holy is just not a spiritual state. We are holy in spirit. But Peter is extending this sanctification, this cleansing to our conduct, to our motives. For it is written, be holy because I'm holy. So God is saving, sanctifying his people. That we're already saved means that he is, with, is working with us to separate ourselves from unrighteousness and idols and is sanctifying us for his good pleasure. Wow, God is sanctifying us. Let me give you this picture. This is a, a, a great, great I like visuals because it helps to fix in your mind what God is saying in this process. So let's just say, uh, many of you know that uh, in July, my my beloved 100-pound Doberman Pinscher, and I've had a lot of dogs, but I will tell you, this dog was the most dearest dog to me. He was, he innately got me, and by that I mean he just, there was such a connection with this dog. I, I, it's really hard to explain, but it was like he just knew. When I was down, 
or when I was, you know, difficulty in relationships. I could all, I mean, Judah would find his way to my, my space. He'd find his way when he could jump on my bed. He'd jump on my bed. At one point, I know some of that bothers you, some of you, but I'm going to share the example anyway because some of you would never have a dog on your bed. But Judah would jump on my bed, and I tell you, when, when my ex-husband left, uh, Judah thought he would get on my bed, and literally, I kid you not, and I was too wrought and in despair to even think about getting a picture of it, but he would jump on my bed and lay next to me with his head on the pillow where my ex-husband used to lay and lay there and get as close to me as he could. I, I, I just kid you not, this dog was intuitive to when I was hurting or when I was in pain. So I understand and I have a love for dogs. So I have thought recently, wow, maybe I should get another dog. So I haven't thought about going to the pound or the animal rescue, wherever it is. And so let's just, I, I'm not doing this and I haven't done this. I'm just using this as an analogy. But let's say I go to the pound and I find the dog I want. And most of the dogs that are in the pound, at some point they're going to be euthanized. That means that the pound will overgrow with too many dogs. And when people don't save them, they will ultimately be euthanized because the pound cannot support the amount of dogs that are there. So I go to the pound one day, and I think, oh, my gosh, that's an awesome-looking dog. And so I decide to get that dog. I, in essence, saved that dog from possible euthanasia. I bring that dog home. So I've saved the dog from euthanasia. I bring the dog home. So now I have separated the dog from other dogs. But when he gets home, I just don't let him stay as he is. The first thing I'm going to do is bathe that dog. I'm going to cleanse that dog. I'm going to care for that dog. I'm going to hand wash that dog. I'm going to put that dog through a cleansing process so that the dog will be satisfying to me. The dog will be a pleasure to me. The dog could be a blessing to me. And, to, and ultimately to other people. So the dog was saved when I rescued him from the pound. The dog was separated to me when I brought him home. And the dog was sanctified and cleansed when I bathed him. That is what God is doing today. He has been doing it. There's nothing new under the sun. And to the degree that we can be clear about what God is doing, we can understand where we are in the process, where those we are influencing are in the process, and the assignment God has given us to those people. For we have already been saved in so much as we have confessed uh, and believed in the Lord Jesus, and he's raised us from the dead, and we've, con- and we've confessed our sins. Subsequent to that, we've confessed our sins. And now some of us are in the separating phase. We're being separated from people we love and care about, not because we want to, 
but because the stand that we're taking for righteousness is separating us from what is lawless. And then some of us are in a sanctifying process. Things we thought about God, things we we believe, everything is being challenged. Our motives, God is, is in the process of helping us examine our motives to see why we think what we think, why we do what we do. And God has many methods of sanctifying us, but that's another method. So, uh, I'm sorry, that's another message. But God is saving, separating, and sanctifying his people all at the same time. That's what he's been doing. That's what he is doing. And that is what he will do until the return. And even after, during the tribulation, he'll still be doing it. Why? Because he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. And so he's giving us every opportunity to receive the grace of God and influence others that they might also receive the grace of God. And so we're in a period of reformation. We're in a period of a great awakening that will lead to revival. And so I'm just excited. This is a good time. If you're struggling with what's going on, I encourage you to turn off the TV. Plug into God and his word. Get around people that know the word of God, that are standing in righteousness with, with you, or your decision to be, stand in righteousness, and you're having difficulty because of the cost. Oh, my gosh. Let us help bear the burden of the cost because there is a cost. Make no mistake. See, people in third world countries understand better than America that there is a cost to profess in the name of Jesus Christ. We still think it's a country club, but we're going to find out. It's no country club. It's no walk in the park. And that the only that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Oh, my gosh. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is true. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, according to your word. You said your sheep hear your voice and another they won't follow. God, we exalt Jesus Christ on this call. Lord, we exalt the righteousness of God. We seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Father, you said righteousness and peace are the foundations of your throne. You also said righteousness is the scepter by which you rule. And that when we choose righteousness, we have the backing, the entire backing of the kingdom of God. Lord, I thank you that if you are for us, then who can be against us? So I declare, God, we tonight stand with righteousness. I pray for our brothers and sisters who are in the valley of decision counting the cost. I pray, God, that you would speak to them in the night season. I pray, Father God, that you would grace them, Father, to see you, not only hear you, but see you and recognize their humanity, their vulnerability, and surrender it to you. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus against the work that you are doing in the earth, that no weapon formed against saving, separating, and sanctifying your people will prosper. I thank you that you're preparing a bride for your son. I thank you that the essence of your kingdom, the smallest unit 
Unity of units in your kingdom is husband and wife and children. So, Father, restore marriage and family to the church, God. Amplify, God, your glory in husbands and wives and families again, O oh God. Father, I praise you and I thank you that no weapon formed against your will or your word will prosper. I declare that many are the plans of men, but the counsel of the Lord shall stand in Jesus' name. Lord, we just bless you and we thank you. We give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amy, are you on? Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes, I'm on, and I just want to say take courage. Take courage. You haven't missed it. If you feel that you missed the boat, you have absolutely not. You're on this call. God is the one that's doing the, the calling, the saving, the separating, the sanctifying. You have not missed it. He is the one that will strengthen you. I want to read... 1 Corinthians 1, 8, he, he says, He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you will be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it says, He will also strengthen you to the end. He is faithful to strengthen us through this entire process. And he also says in 2 Timothy 13, If you are faithless, faithless. He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So I just want to say is with this process, we are not the ones choosing the process. This is absolutely process, and you haven't missed it. You have not missed it. God is the one strengthening me and strengthening you. And just by seeking his faith, that's the beauty of the kingdom. No matter where you're at and what circumstances him and surrendering wherever you're at and you can just receive from him immediately that the power of the kingdom is is that we can just in any moment turn and face him and receive so i just want to encourage you tonight just knowing with everything going on just know that no matter where you're at right now in your faith that god is always faithful and it's just a matter of turning and facing him and receiving. Praise God. Praise God. As you were speaking, the scripture came to me. It's in Deuteronomy, I think, 32, um, 36, where God talks about he is compassionate to those who have been without strength. And so we speak strength to each one on this line tonight. We release the strength of God into your mortal being. And we say, be bold, be strong, for the Lord thy God is with you. And he will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able to bear. And at the time of temptation, he will provide a way of escape, or he will enable you to endure it. People of God, we're in training right now. And training is not easy. But if we'll stay fixed and steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, we will not be disappointed. We bless you. I want to remind you 
Uh, don't forget, if you, if you are not on Facebook, again, I know some of you are having challenges with it. We're going to continue to be on Facebook until God tells us otherwise. Um, and um, with relationship game changers, and, um, and uh, go to relationship game changers, the general Facebook page, like it, and drop your funniest emoji for a chance to win $25 tomorrow at noon. Amy will decide who wins the $25. So go ahead and do that. Why are we doing that? One, we want to encourage people to hear the word of the Lord. And so we want to also bless you for hearing the word of the Lord. And so I, I just... um. This is, it's, it's not a, you know, I, I think sometimes we put money and things out there from my sincerest heart. This is not a gimmick. This is, I believe the word of the Lord that he has given me. And I believe that he desires it to be published throughout the land. And we need a moment of funny right now. We need some funny in the earth right now. We need some funny. We need some belly laughs in the earth right now. And you can help create that for over a thousand other people on this page. So drop your emoji and um, let's do this together. Let's move this message forward in Jesus' name. Well, the replay number for today's call is 605-475-4753. Again, 605-475-4753-341. Zero 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 pound. That is three four one three zeros and a pound. And the reference number is one thirty six pound. Well, I hope that you will share it. I I um, covet your prayers. Um, I tell you, being on the front line is a difficult thing. And so pray for those that you are following. Pray for your leaders. Pray for all those that are leading toward righteousness. Pray for them. Pray God's strength. Bless them. Encourage them. Because the battle is fierce. The battle is fierce. Well, we love you. We bless you. We honor you in Jesus' name. And if we can be of any service to you, uh, please let us know. You can always text Amy at 678-754-0867. And she is the quickest and best way to get to me if you want a quick answer. Otherwise, you can email me at Kim at Moore, M-O-O-R-E, my last name, onrelationships.com. Kim at moreonrelationships.com. I will respond, but you will get a quicker response from Amy. And, again, if you do email me, I do respond to the emails. But if you want a quick response, you might want to text Amy. Well, God bless you. We love you. We thank you so much for your support. We thank you so much for those of you who who give financially. We just appreciate you so very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. We will see you on the call next week, God willing. God bless you. 